0: For some of you who were with us in the winter and early spring, we were walking through the Apostles' Creed, and we took a little bit of um, a break around that around Easter, and um, we got through two sections of the Creed, and we're going to—the last section is a, just a phenomenal section, and we're going to jump into that today and move forward. So would you read it with me today? Would you do that as we, as we just re our, ourselves with it? refamiliarize ourselves with it? That was—I uh, I think I bundled up three words in one there, so— I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God, as we jump into this morning's theme, we invite, as we were already singing, uh, we welcome your Holy Spirit here this morning to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us, to intersect with our thoughts, our lives, our hearts, uh, our struggles. Uh, Lord, we invite you to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, next week we hit the Holy Catholic Church, so you'll be interested in, in uh, how, we, how we walk through that one. I know there were some questions when we read that a few weeks ago. Um, but today we're going to focus on another piece of it, and it's, it's this, this first line of the last section where the creed affirms this, I believe in the Holy Spirit, um, and I think it's amazing. This, this, this line and then what comes after that really unpacks, uh, how we end up living our lives following Jesus here on earth. Uh, how we follow God, how we follow Christ, how God interacts with us, how He forms community, how He reconciles people, how He prepares us for both our life and our eternity. And so this, this next section is, so, is such a powerful section. But as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the last two weeks. Uh, on Easter Sunday, we walked through... This first century figure, the apostle Paul, and we met him as Saul and then saw some transformation in his life. And on Easter Sunday, we, we looked back as uh, Luke, the historian, tells us about Paul's first encounter with Jesus. And then we, we walked through some of the, the significant transformation that this guy had in his life. How he related to people, how he related uh, to pain or problems, how he related to his possessions. And if we had more time we would have seen the, just how much god had continued to do in this man's life and I, and i love that and and there was as we read that story in in, uh, in acts chapter 9 there's this one little slice of that where we recognize that when paul begins to really discover who jesus is and this other disciple named Ananias comes to him and prays for him it, luke tells us that at that moment paul's filled with the holy spirit that God's very spirit begins to indwell him and lead him and guide him. And that was a first century story. But last week, Curtis was here, Curtis Matoga, and he brought his friend Mathieu. And you heard Curtis's journey uh, and Curtis's story with Matthew and how Matthew in 21st century Quebec, a young uh, French pilot and business person, uh, who, who ended up meeting Curtis at English for Second Language School, over the course of a year, came to discover Jesus. And as I listened to the podcast and listened to how Curtis was describing certain things, I noticed that Curtis would say something like, I felt that the Spirit led me to ask this question. Or I felt like, uh, like the Holy Spirit was doing, was doing something in Matthew's life and uh, and and how god was drawing matthew and and our conversations and interactions and sometimes surprising moments and then that moment i remember hearing matthew say on on the podcast last week how this lady shows up and says i got a message from jesus from you and it's like what are you talking about and and this moment like oh wait maybe god's really working all around me for my good and for my journey and as i think about those two stories the apostle paul in the first century and Matthew in the 21st century. First century Rome and empire, 21st century Quebec empire. (laughs) No, we don't have an empire. Um, But there's this, this commonality among these two stories that God's very spirit was at work in them, doing something significant. And not just in them, but in the people around them like Curtis in Matthew's life and Ananias in Paul's life. And I think it really sums up or at least gives us a springboard into why the creed in this third and final section affirms the third person of the Trinity. I believe in the Holy Spirit, God's very own Spirit. You know, when you think about conversation, if you're having a conversation with anybody uh, about faith, you maybe talk about God, the Father, um, and often Jesus, the Son, will come up, but I, I bet you it's a little bit more rare for you to speak about God the Holy Spirit uh, when talking about faith or talking, talking about theology, or, because often the Holy Spirit seems like, like He's behind the scenes, um, doesn't get as much attention. And yet the, the creed affirms in this third section this, this almost sense of equal, uh, equal proclamation and equal worship, God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit, this equal belief in that. And I, and I want to kind of walk through who is the Holy Spirit, what is he up to, what does he do, and then how, how can we... Um, Follow God through the work of His Spirit in our lives. So the first idea is, or question is, well, who is the Holy Spirit? And, and, well, one, yes, we, a couple of weeks back or three weeks back, we had Glenn Smith here and he helped us understand kind of the mystery of the Trinity, if you can fully understand the mystery of the Trinity, but the sense that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. But the who of the Holy Spirit is, is probably twofold. It's, it's the fact that He's a person and He is powerful. So he's personal and he's powerful. And, and as we've done in this series, we, we, we kind of jump um, into Scripture to see how the Scripture affirms this affirmation. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And look at what Jesus says. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you, here's this word, another advocate to help you and be with you. So Jesus is saying, another one like me. To help you and be with you forever. The Spirit, capital S, of truth. The The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. As we said, often the Holy Spirit is behind the scenes and gets forgotten. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Why don't you just get this personal sense of the Holy Spirit, another like Jesus, like God, who will be with you. And that's when Jesus promises, I will be with you. He will be with us through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that personal side, I have not left you as orphans. I will come to you. How will the resurrected Jesus come to us? Through the work of his Spirit. I love this one scene in Acts chapter 13 where now the Apostle Paul is uh, partnering up with another disciple and they're with a, a little mini local church there in the area. And, and I, I love what, what happens here. They're worshiping together. They're worshiping God. They're fasting. They're praying. They're They're trying to discern what, what God wants from them next. And, and listen to how Luke, the historian, describes this. He says, while they're doing this, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Isn't that amazing? In the moment of worship, in the moment of discernment, in the moment of praying, this church is is asking the Lord, Lord, what should we do? And how this pans out is the Holy Spirit says to them, set apart for me this equal stance of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit being at work. I love that. That's this personal side to the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, um, Paul tells us that for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In another place, it, it, um, Paul says that, that God's very Spirit testifies with our spirit to help us understand and know that we are his children. This personal involvement in our lives and our hearts of God's very own Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not just personal, he's powerful. He's powerful, he comes with power. Romans 8, 11, and if you guys have time on your own, I'd encourage you to just read Romans 8 this week and just see how much that chapter helps you understand the work of the Spirit. Romans eight eleven, uh, I love this. Is the Spirit that of Him, this is the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This powerful sense of God's spirit coming and working in us and literally making us alive. But here's the connection. The Holy Spirit had something to do with the resurrection. That same very power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power of God's Holy Spirit. And that same power gave boldness to his first disciples to speak and to share and to be a witness. I love that. I found this quote from from a Greek Orthodox church leader, and and I love what what he says. He says, Without the Holy Spirit, God is distant. Christ is in the past. The gospel is, is a dead letter. The church is simply an organization. Authority is domination. Mission is propaganda. Worship is summoning the spirits, and Christian action is the morality of slaves. If God's very own spirit is not true and working and alive, then we're just manufacturing something. But because His Spirit is true and in us alive, He's doing something in us. I was trying to think of moments in my life where where, um, some significant milestones where I felt the Spirit was at work in me. And one of them, there's, there's a few that I could share, but one of them is when I personally felt called to to ministry to full time ministry. I believe all of us are called to ministry and and all of us have a gift and all of us are called to serve in God's church and in his kingdom and in his mission. But when I was wrestling with, Lord, should I like should I jump into into full time ministry? It man, it was a wrestle in my heart. I was about 18 or 19 years old. I was uh, at Vanier College studying music. And uh, that was like a temporary stint for me because previous to Vanya, I was in Dawson doing some commerce courses, and I loved business, and I wanted to maybe become an accountant or go into finance and work with numbers, and it was just something I loved to do. And but as I was, you know, finished Dawson, and then jumped into this music program, and and I was involved in the church, and God was working in my heart, and and I had this sense: God, do you want to? Do you want me to like completely just, you know, full time do this? And I remember this wrestling in my heart because I, I loved like you know taking economics in school and accounting and, and the business classes and marketing. I remember I remember it was about a five-month um, moment in that season of my life where I was wrestling with God because I remember telling God, okay, here's the thing, God. Just let me know. Like help me understand. Just make make just confirm it in me. And I was telling God stuff like, listen, I can go to I can go to university. I can take commerce there. Uh, maybe I'll become an accountant. God, I'll make a lot of money. I'll give it away. Uh, I'll do, I'll do, I can do all that stuff, and I'll still serve you, and I'll still be part of the church. I could do that. But if you want me to do this, like you don't have to like, confirm in my heart if i got to be an accountant. I can, I can figure out if it's finance or accounting or marketing and discern the gifts you've given me. But if you want me to go this way, would you please confirm it in me? So five months of wrestling in my heart. And one Sunday evening, uh, back then we had Sunday night gatherings. And uh, there was this guest uh, with us. He was from Australia, really awesome guy, Um, was speaking that evening. and, uh, And he wasn't like, you know, big or showy or talk loud in any way. But he was just a really authentic speaker and pastor. And he said at the end, he said, hey, you know, if there's anybody here who has a sense that they feel called to full-time ministry. I'd like you to, you know, take some time as we close this gathering and come, you know, come here. We're going to make the, the front of this, this, this room available for you to pray and seek God. And remember, myself and two other people, we, we stood up and we went. I was, because I was wrestling for this for five months. I'm like, maybe I'm going to figure this out tonight. And um, I'll never forget it. We, we took some time at the end of that gathering and started to seek the Lord and this was very uncommon for me not to, not to step up and pray but what happened next I was seeking God and asking and in this moment I just felt this overwhelming sense of God's presence around me and I literally began to weep for 30 or 40 minutes 30 or 40 minutes I just wept praying and I didn't hear God say Dave don't go to McGill you know I didn't hear him say that. I didn't hear him say, hey, you know, keep practicing your saxophone. Maybe you'll do something with it. I didn't, and I didn't even hear him say, Dave, go into full-time ministry. But there was this overwhelming sense that God was at work and just speaking into my heart and saying, you know, you've been wrestling with this decision. You need to go this direction. And that was the work of the Holy Spirit in that moment. It's the work of the Holy Spirit confirming um, God's call on my life in that specific way. That's not always how God's spirit works, but in that moment, that's how God's spirit intervened in my own life and in that day in my life. And I'm telling you, I can track back to that day and not forget the overwhelming security and, and sense of confidence and purpose that, that God had put in me that day by his spirit. The Spirit loves to work that way. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit does a few things. Primarily, the Spirit reveals and the Spirit regenerates. God's Spirit reveals and regenerates. Listen to what Jesus says in that similar passage as he's speaking to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 26, and then onward. He says, when the Advocate comes, he says that word again, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father this is what he's going to do. He will testify about me. He will witness for me. He will, he will point people to me, to Jesus' is saying. He will testify about me. Uh, let's just go on to the next chapter, John 16, verse 12 to 14. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is a revealer. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us primarily. You know, yes, he can reveal other things to us, but his primary role is that he reveals Jesus to us. If you want to use the Holy Spirit to reveal your next stock pick, I would stay away. But if you're saying, "Lord, show me who you are," the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to you. That's his main purpose. He's a revealer. He shows people who Jesus is, and, and, and we are here today. I just want to ask you and me, whoever, you're here today because the Holy Spirit has already been doing something in your life. If you're following Jesus today, you're following Jesus because the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus to you. If, if you've made any steps spiritually in your walk with Christ, that's happened because God's very own Spirit has been showing you who Jesus is. The the, the scripture says we can't even call Jesus Lord without the work of the Holy Spirit in us. He's a revealer. He points us to Jesus. He showed the first crowds in Jerusalem who Jesus was and empowered Peter to preach a sermon so people would know who Jesus was and God's very own spirit worked in, in that moment. But he doesn't just reveal, he regenerates. Listen to what uh, Jesus even specifically says in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus says this, he says, I will baptize with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more po- This is John the Baptist speaking. After me, someone, who, someone will come who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to tie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist was baptizing people as they would come and say, I want to turn my life around. I want to make a U-turn. I want to, I've been walking this direction. I want to walk this direction. I've been ignoring God. I want my whole life to be open to God. And John says, I'm baptizing people for repentance, but someone will come, pointing to Jesus, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with Fire and that idea of fire is not literal fire, but the sense that fire is a change agent. Fire refines, fire purifies, fire cleans, fire renews, fire transforms, fire regenerates us. So, the Holy Spirit regenerates us. Listen to Romans chapter 8 as Paul describes this in a small way. He, He says it so well. He says, Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's this new life that comes in people when they begin following Jesus and God's very own spirit fills them. There's a regeneration that takes place. In fact, when Peter preached his first sermon, and they're asking him, well, what do we do with this, Peter? What do we do? How do we jump into what you're talking about? And he says, repent and be baptized, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit repent, turn around, start following, be baptized, immerse yourself into the life of Jesus and his teachings, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and regenerate your life and lead you and guide you. So the Spirit reveals and regenerates and in a beautiful way, he continues to be a comfort and an advocate. You know what an advocate is. In French, we use the word for lawyer, advocate, because someone who stands with you, stands for you, stands in your place, represents you. And the Spirit does that for all of us. But here's the question. How can I look for the Holy Spirit's work in me? How can I look for the Holy Spirit and, and, and how he wants to lead me, how he wants to guide me? What does he want to do in my life? And, and here's three words to help you out. I'll just throw them on the screen. And Beth told me I worked really hard to get this pee in. She saw it this morning. But um, the Spirit prompts us. The Spirit produces something in us. And the Spirit empowers us. But I love this way that we can talk about it. And, and you can make some connections to Curtis's story last week, how the Spirit prompts us how he's a guide and he's a teacher. He's going to lead us. He prompts us in in sometimes subtle way and sometimes strong ways. He can prompt us before we come to Christ as he starts to lead us and guide us and, and draw us closer to him, as some of you maybe experienced before you made a decision to follow Jesus. He can prompt us after, while we're following Jesus. He can prompt us for ways that indicate areas of our life where we need, um, you know, um, a fresh touch, a transformation, a change. He can, he can prompt us in ways that will lead us and guide us in life, in relationship. He can prompt us in ways that point us, obviously, in a greater way to who Jesus is. I was uh, chatting with someone on Good Friday who came as a visitor. And, uh, and, and so I'm not going to claim this is the Holy Spirit, but I just love the story. So we're talking, and he came, and he's like, he's like, you know, I said, tell me a little bit about your journey and why you came tonight, and a friend of his brought him. And he said, God's just been at work in my life for like a couple of years now, and I just can't, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, it's almost like I can't deny it anymore. And he was telling me that about a, a, a few months ago, he was sitting on his on his balcony, uh, I'm not sure where he lives in the city, if it was LaSalle or Lachine, and he says, I live on this kind of really like like, um, uh, not not a very popular road. It's just kind of behind other houses, and you only really come on this road if you need to. And I was sitting; it was like one in the morning, and uh, he was frustrated with God. He's like, "God, man, God, if you could just like just show me that you're still around, just show me that you still want me to pursue you, you still want me to explore." So he's like, "Dave, it's one in the morning. I think his his name was David too," and he says. I, as I kind of cried out those words from my balcony, this car comes down the street, turns the corner, comes right in front of my house, the windows open, and blaring out is th- the band called J- Journey, you know. Can't stop believing. And he's like, oh, <laughs> he's like, I couldn't believe it. It's like literally right in front of my house. Nobody ever comes on my street. The windows open, those lyrics blare through. So look, I'm not going to claim that that's necessarily the Holy Spirit, but I just like, I said to this guy, I said, you know what? God loves you so much. He just wants to get your attention in any way he can, you know? And God loves to prompt us. <laughs> loves to prompt us. Many of you know we did Alpha in last fall, and it was a really a relaunch for us, something we really got excited about because we felt the Lord was prompting us to really help people come to faith, discover who Jesus was. And one of the ways we thought, well, how can that happen? And I I really believe that the Spirit prompted us and our leaders to consider Alpha. It really felt like a God-ordained moment. And I know that because as we were preparing for that, you know, Carol stepped up, and she had some experience there, and others did, and it's like amazing how God was working this out. And as we started to ask some people to help and to get involved, it was great to see some of their giftings in, in place. But I remember um, two people in particular, and Eric shared a story a couple of weeks ago. Remember, he had the, the, the tire, you know, and how God stretched him. And I, you know, God just kept putting Eric's name in my head call Eric, see if he'll help. Now Eric doesn't lead groups and facilitate groups. Alp is a very group-oriented thing, but something I was like, I think Eric would love this. I think there'd be something about this, and, and I remember calling Eric on the phone. I was like, Listen, I don't know if this is something you'd be interested in. I just have a sense I should ask you to help. You could say no if you want to, and we're talking about it. Tell me a little bit about it. Literally within that phone call, is like, Dave, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to do it. I said, Really? You're you're going to you're going to do it? You're going to help? He's like, Yeah, I'm going to help. I I really feel I need something like this. And thanks for asking me. And I, and I was like, thank you, Spirit, for leading me. It was just this little prompting to ask Eric. And I remember there's another person, Angie. She's here today. And, and um, I, it, her name also kept coming to my mind. Ask Angie. So I gave Angie a call, and I asked her. And I said, hey, Angie, what do you think about helping out with Alpha? This is kind of what your role could be. And uh, connect you to the people who are doing this. And she said, uh, give me a few days. So I gave her a week, and then we talked. She's like, you know what? I, I really feel I need to jump into this. I feel like this is good. Like, these were her words. Sorry, Angie, I'm telling you. This. She says, she's my sister-in-law, so I could bug her. But she said, um, I really feel God wants to stretch me in this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I said, you sure? I'm going to try it. I'm like, it's amazing. And I really feel God brought all these people together. And the prompting that he often wants to do in us and through us. And I feel God was prompting me, and God was prompting them, and God was prompting the team around it. And something beautiful came out of that. God, by his Spirit, wants to prompt us. God wants to produce in us. I think this is really important, to shape and form us, to, to produce the characteristics of Jesus in us. That's the role of the Spirit How does the Spirit want to work in your life and my life? He wants to produce in us the character of Jesus. If we read Galatians chapter 5, Paul has this amazing outline of of how, you know, how, how uh, we, can, we can veer off and veer off to kind of like the life and deeds and actions of the flesh that can bring destruction in our lives. But he says, when you listen to the Spirit, when, the, when you allow the Spirit to lead you and you live by the Spirit, you walk into this path that bears fruit in you, and he lists like nine of them. And I'm sure there's more ways that God wants to work in us, but he lists things like love and and joy, and kindness, and patience, and self-control, and love, that as the Spirit works in us, the Spirit produces not just any characteristics, the characteristics of Jesus, because the Spirit's role is always pointing us to Jesus. If we ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in us? None of us have to guess. The Holy Spirit wants to make us more like Jesus. That's a given. You don't, even, you, don't, you don't need to call me or anybody and say, what does the Spirit want to do in me? You can understand that the Spirit wants to make you and me more like Jesus. He wants to produce in us the characteristics of Christ so we can become more like Christ and we can surrender to the convictions and promptings of the Holy Spirit. So when you are just struggling with your impatience and you, and, and you keep, you know, biting back at that person, don't don't like put yourself down, but say, Lord, next time that happens, will you lead me by your spirit to grow in patience? When, when you long for kindness in a relationship or in a situation and you're struggling with it, and you know that your inner nature just wants to fight that and just kind of wants to you know win on top, you say, Holy Spirit, would you would you develop kindness in me like Jesus? Would you develop self-control in me like Jesus? Would you develop a joy in me like Jesus and watch how God's spirit produces something beautiful in you? And it's a journey. It's not going to just happen like this, but it's a journey as he produces in us. And then lastly, he empowers us. I don't have this on the screen, but Acts chapter one, verse eight says, the Holy Spirit came upon those first disciples and Jesus promised, he says, when the spirit comes, he will give you power to be my witnesses to live the life I've called you to live, to point people to Jesus, I will give you power through the work of my spirit and when and when the disciples were getting persecuted and were feeling like beat up and were feeling marginalized they got together and they prayed they said lord would you fill us with your spirit because we're just getting beat up left right and center and in that moment in acts 4 you can read the story uh luke tells us that the holy spirit filled those early disciples and they had this inner boldness that they never had before and they were they stood up to the threat, not stood up and retaliated, they withstood resiliently the threats, the marginalization, the persecution of those who just wanted harm for them. And, and God gave them this boldness to continue to be witnesses for him. He does that because the Spirit empowers us. And he empowers us through gifts. He gives us gifts to serve in the church, he gives us gifts to be the people we're called to be. He gives us gifts to be in right relationship with other people. He gives us gifts to serve in the world. We can read this in other chapters. We're not going to go into it today. But he gives us these gifts, these wonderful gifts to serve the body of Christ and to serve the world. That's how the Spirit empowers us. So let me just tell you this, You Don't be um, surprised if God leads you out of your comfort zone and then gives you a gift to fulfill that task might not be your primary gift or something you're going to do forever. But don't be surprised if God leads you out of your comfort zone and then gives you a gift to do exactly what he's called you to do. He loves to do that. But we got to step out and say, okay, are you prompting me to do this, Lord? Sometimes you're going to mess up and fail. Sometimes you're like, I don't think I heard God right. But as we keep growing in him, just like a band grows and learns to interact with each other and starts to understand the, 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 the pointers and the little, the little nods and all that kind of stuff, we start to understand the nods of the Spirit in our life. Some of us are going to hijack this for success, you know? Kind of like, let me use the Spirit to be more successful. And God might want to bless you in that way and give you confidence and help you overcome obstacles, but His primary aim is for us to become like Jesus. Every, in the early church and through the centuries, they experienced God in such personal and powerful ways that there was no other way to kind of like come to the end of this creed as they were putting this together to say, we believe in the Holy Spirit. He's at work. We can't deny it. I'm going to close with one story and then Steve, I'm going to ask you to come up as we close. And um, there's a, a new Kind of newer person in our community he 's actually right over here is John. I asked him if I can share this story today, and he said yes, and John has just been part of our community for a few months, several months now, um, several months now, and um, I remember talking to him about seven weeks ago or something we were talking in the lobby one day. And he's, he's part of a community group in St. Anne de Bellevue. And he was sharing with me that at their group, they said, hey, we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 4 and 5. So he took it upon himself to read this. And he's kind of just you know, new to our community, getting reacquainted with faith. And he's like, Dave, I was reading Matthew chapter 4 and 5, and, and I've read Scripture before. But when I started to read Matthew 4 and going into Matthew 5, I had this sense like God was literally speaking to me. Like this is for me. You're talking about me. You're talking about my life. You're talking about my pride. You're talking about my direction. And I remember hearing John share that, and I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you're you're working in his life. The Holy Spirit's at work in his life. And he said as as he read those words, he knew he needed to respond. I said there's no other really explanation for that except the fact that, well, God loves him like he loves us, and he wants to work in him, and he's revealing Jesus to him as he reads the scripture. He read scripture before, but that day, it's like God was speaking to him. I was talking to him a few weeks back, and um, he's been in a unique journey with his family and um, with his spouse and other things. And there was some things that they've been go, that's been going on for, uh, for a little while before he came to Westside. And, and as many of you know, sometimes that can build up animosity between people and um, sometimes a wall between people. I remember hearing him a few weeks ago. Said, "You know, Dave, I was speaking um, to my wife, and there was this just this sense that God wanted so much for her that I didn't even recognize. That even though there was stuff going on in our life, God made me realize He loves her and He cares for her. And, and as he was describing something, I mean, I realized his posture started to change." Something started to change. And I thought, who does that? How does that work? How does that happen? How does that change take place? It's because the Holy Spirit is personal and powerful. The Holy Spirit is a revealer and a regenerator. The Holy Spirit prompts us, produces the characteristic of Jesus in us, empowers us to listen and follow and live the life that he's called us to live. So as we close today, I want to encourage us One, that we as a church, we stand firm and say we believe in the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. And the next few weeks, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit's at work in the church and how the Holy Spirit's at work in in reconciliation and forgiveness. Really amazing themes that come out of the creed. But today, I just want to end with the Apostle Paul's words. Galatians chapter 5. At the end of that chapter, he says this, and it's it's just a, a wonderful way to respond today. Since we live by the Spirit. So he's assuming that. Since we live by the Spirit. He's speaking to Christ followers. Since we live by the Spirit. And then here's a simple but such profound invitation. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, let us us follow. Let us take a step. Let us walk where the Spirit leads us and guides us as he prompts us, as he produces the characteristic of Jesus in us, as he empowers us, as he challenges us, as he leads us out of our comfort zones, as he calls us to give or to serve or to walk across the room and speak to someone, or as he calls us to change our posture at work or in our home or in our relationships. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Why not you stand with me? And I want to encourage you as we, we, we just consider what that means, maybe just this week, one of the ways that you can practice that is, is every day, just as you start your day, literally say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Lord, by the power of your Spirit, will you make me aware of, of where you want me, how you want me to respond? What do you want me to do? How you want me to decide in this moment? Would you make me more aware? and And... Like I told you, and even when God did some work in my life, it's, for me it wasn't an audible voice, but there's times when God will lead us and guide us. And just to be open so we can be in step with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. I want us to just close singing this song that we sang in our worship time this morning. Um, welcoming the work of the Holy Spirit. we'll do it from the top, guys. And, and, and as we're, as we're doing that, I invite you just to just to be open, how the Spirit wants to work in you. Maybe right in this moment, God's leading you, guiding you. Maybe He wants to get your attention about something. Be open to that. Be open to that. Let's just end this gathering with a posture welcoming the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God, we affirm that today. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe, believe in Your Holy Spirit. We believe in the power presence, person of the Spirit. We acknowledge His work in our lives and we say thank you. Thank you that He is revealer. Thank you that He regenerates. Thank you that He comforts and advocates for us. Lord, may we welcome the promptings of your Holy Spirit. May we welcome The formation the Holy Spirit longs to produce us into the characteristics of Jesus. May we welcome your power at work in us. We just say yes. We say welcome. And since we live by the Spirit, Lord, we say today we long to keep in step with your spirit. Lord, may we see that in real and tangible ways this week. And however you want to lead us, however you want to guide us, however you want to work in us, we just say yes to that. And may we be a church that responds to the work of your spirit and partners with what you're doing in and through us and around us and in our city. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.